Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. Uh, this one, we're not even waiting for football experts to talk about what happened in the Bear Giant game. We're just going to jump in. We're going to be football experts. Uh, so it's the uh, it's the Bear Podcast with me, as always, is Mike Pusateri. Mike, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We were just so excited we had to get to the podcast right after the game ended. That's right. It's only been over for like a half hour, and we're already recording this so that you can you can listen to this tonight while you watch the Cub game and not have to listen to A-Rod. Ooh, there's yeah, a bonus. That's a thing. You should charge double for that. So, Mike, uh, where uh, can people find you on uh, Instagram and the Twitters and things like that? On the uh, the Instagrams, I am at uh, I am Mike Pusateri, and on the Twitters, it's at Mike Pusateri. Very good. So the Bears are, believe it or not, the Bears are two and zero. Whether it feels like it or not, they are. They did the. Uh, they've they've showed today that they are a complete package. They can win <laughs> games where they play like crap for three quarters and then competently for one, and then now they prove they can play. They can win games where they play really well for one quarter and maybe kind of into the second, and then terrible the rest of the game and still win. Uh, it doesn't seem like the greatest strategy, however. Yeah, it's it's the master plan coming together here. Uh, well, when we started, when we did our preview, I think we both felt like, uh, okay, we're going to go two and zero, and we did. And then this is where I feel like, and now it's <laughs> now it's now it's over. Now the fourteen <laughs> starting game, next week. The fourteen game yeah. losing streak starts. Yeah. 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 Well, this one was. I guess the frustrating thing about this one was, so Mitch had played objectively well in the fourth quarter, really other than the freak out, turn back to the middle of the field, drop the ball on a sack play. He played very well in that fourth quarter in Detroit. He played very well in the first quarter today, uh, especially that first drive. I mean, that was like, holy crap. Mitch has figured it out. He played like the guy that they thought they were drafting. Yeah. And then, um, then he didn't. And then he didn't. And One then of he his... played like the guy. And then he played like the guy who he's been in his Bears yes. career. Yeah. Now he threw two interceptions. One of which is was completely not on him. And I don't think was an interception in the first place. Yeah, um, that was so close. That was, uh... he, he did the old throw it only where Allen Robinson can catch it. Back shoulder thing. Robinson reaches over the guy, grabs the ball, pulls it back, and then. Um, Ray Bradbury the fourth is that who it is? Is he the great grandson of the science fiction writer? Um, yeah. Somehow wrestles the ball away from Robinson as the, as they're falling out of bounds. And admittedly, I don't know the rule in the NFL, but Robinson was clearly out of bounds before Bradbury gets the ball away from. Him. Now Bradbury is in bounds, but Robinson's foot is down out of bounds, which to me means plays over. And at the at the best for the Giants, it should be an incomplete pass instead of an interception. But uh, they took a look at yeah. it and said, "Nah, that's cool. It's a cool play. Giants can have the ball." Well, Mitch did underthrow it a little bit. I thought. I mean, he. Uh, yeah, he and, did. And I, looked, I mean, I think, think Robinson was a little frustrated with him too, because because that should have been it should have been an easy, not easy, but it should have been a clear completion. Bears, you know, Bears keep the drive moving, and then. Here we go again. Um, yeah, I don't know if on that play, 
you're spo- it's supposed to be like a back shoulder. It was too far. It he threw it right at the numbers of the defensive back. Yeah. That's about where Robinson reached over the guy, pulled it right off of his back. <laughs> you're either supposed to throw it on the shoulder or just throw it up, because you know Allen Robinson is you know six foot eight or whatever, and that's not where it was. But you no. do not expect to have the ball intercepted when you throw the ball where it went. So that was kind of bad. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely true. But Mitch was 18 of 28 for 190 yards. I don't have this down. I think he was. Uh, I think he was 18 for 18 in the first quarter, and then 0 for 10 after that. I think. <laughs> felt like that. Yeah, felt like that. Yeah. So we saw some interesting stuff. We saw uh, David Montgomery uh, get body slammed on his head and um, leave the game. You thought, oh well, shit. It's too bad the Bears only have one real running back on their whole roster. Um, even got to see a little Ryan Nall action, which is. What an exciting debut that was. Yep. One catch for two yards. And then yep. Montgomery's miraculously back. Like So he early in, in, he tore his groin in practice before the season. Only missed, you know, a few days. Um, I believe, you know, I, I'm not a doctor, but I follow David Chow, MD, sports trainer guy on uh, Twitter. So I feel like, I feel like I can confidently say that he most likely broke his neck uh, and got a concussion. <laughs> Yeah. And came back in and played. And played well, actually. Played very well, yeah. No, there was no stopping him. Uh, oh, well, actually, the only guy who could stop him was was the head coach. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to give yeah. Negi. I don't know why I say it like that. Just because he one time said that's how you say it. And that annoys yeah. me. Um, I'm going to give him some credit that maybe he doesn't deserve. Um, I feel like Montgomery isn't physically at a place where they can just like keep, just leave him in all the time. I think it's probably too much credit for Nagy because I think mm-hmm. he's got to play with all the toys. So he's got to put, you know, Cordero in the backfield and he's got to, you know, put Tariq back there, um, which is fine. You know, I'm all for getting Tariq calling the ball on occasion, but lining him up and acting like he's a real running back has never worked and is never going to work. Right. And, um, and Cordero's the same thing. You've got... Um, you basically have a punt returner and a kick returner pretending that they're halfbacks, and that's not great. Um, and Nagy doing what Nagy does when it's you know when they're on that drive, they're running running the ball down the Giants' throat, and it's third and one pass, third and one, and then for the shotgun, fourth, fourth and one, yeah, third and one shotgun. Because on third and one, you can defend, you can if you're going to throw a pass, you throw it on the third down because uh, you still got fourth down. Right. But when you line up in the shotgun especially where the back was, um, who I think it was Montgomery. Um, the only yeah. th- the only thing you can run is well, like one of those, it's not even just a draw. It's like a, a weird delayed draw where the running back has to come in front of you because of the angle. And there's no way that's going to work, trying to get one yard. So basically the defense looks at that and goes, pass. And that's what and they did. It was, and it didn't work. And it was. But then on fourth down, they came back and ran the ball on oh, no. No, don't do that either. They didn't do that either. <laughs> um, then they also- that, but that, that's when you should have just, you know, I hear what you're saying about uh, Montgomery. Um, right. You should, a, a real football team still, lines yeah. up and runs the ball twice and gets the that's yard. It. And then the Giants either never get the ball back or they get it back so late that it really doesn't matter. Especially um, when you're cramming the, you know, you're cramming it down their throat that entire drive up to that point. It also makes no sense to do that um, 
Well, he stopped the clock twice, which is great. Um, although maybe it was stopped on the. I think it, actually, I think I don't think it. Oh, yeah. Well, it had to you either save the Giants a timeout, or I don't know. It's not smart. Yeah. But then you end up with a fifty-yard field goal for the great Cairo Santos, so that when he misses it, you basically yeah. give the Giants an extra ten yards to come back and try to beat you. Um, earlier in the, um, it must have been in the third quarter, the Bears uh, punted from the th- Giants' 38. That was which the most just, brutal decision. Yeah, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just run a freaking play. You know, you, Mr. B.U. with your little play sheet, you know, just. Yeah. Well, and, th- and then we got the stat that the Bears have given up, you know, four 95-plus-yard drives all last season. It led the league. That was good. I didn't led know they the led league. the league in anything. That was congratulations to Chuck Pagano. <laughs> yeah, and, and once again, another incredibly long drive down the field. But that's actually kind of a um, – that's kind of a bear, recent Bear defensive tradition because even the Fangio defenses, which were awesome, were really terrible when it was um, – the last drive of the game for the other team. You think, all right, we got the great defense, we got the stop, we win. No, they they were really good at giving up points at on drives like that. Yeah. Well, I that's was, the tradition you want to carry over. I was <laughs> heartened to see. I was heartened to see how it ended. It ended with the uh, in the same end zone, Golden Tate, um, down there ready to win the game, shoving a bear defender out of the way, and this time actually getting called for it. It was very poetic. Cool. Poetic. Nick Foles, I'm sure, is over on the sidelines going, hey, he's telling the refs, uh, he's going to shove a guy here. I guarantee you, we used to work on it all the time. Yeah. That's been Nick's big, his big contribution so far this year was alerting the refs to the offensive pass interference that they actually called. Hey, if he did that, that we'll take it. So I'd like my idea for a new rule. When Eddie Jackson um, ran the interception back for the touchdown, I got called for interference, and then you watch the replay, and you're like, yeah, that's interference. So my idea for the rule is, you can interfere with a guy, but you better get the ball and score, otherwise we're calling the penalty. And I thought, that's a good rule for the XFL to test out. The perfect rule for the, for, think, for the Rock. Great. Think about how much fun it would be to play defense then. You can grab guys and throw them all over, but the only way you get away with it, you got to score a touchdown. Yeah. I got to revolutionize the game. Well, it feels like uh, if you don't score the touchdown, that you should you, you should be penalized. You should get more than just the penalty. Uh, you know. Yes. Okay. So here we can workshop this. How about this? Yeah. Not only does the team get the fifteen yards or a spot of the foul because it's interference, spot of the foul. Right. You can't play the next down. It's power Ooh. power play. Oh yeah. You only get ten defenders. That's that's great. the penalty. You get a you get a first you get an automatic first down. You get the yardage, and you're only going against ten guys. And then oh, when that plays over, guy come guy gets out of the box, comes back in. Love that. Yeah. See, I think that's a good See, idea. People were really anyone. Yeah, but if anyone, yeah, but if anyone is listening from the XFL, I, Andy, I think you're giving them that idea. They're they're free to use it. Yeah. I did like the um, I like the XFL's kickoff. Where they had, it looked ridiculous, and which is why the NFL, yeah. I'm sure, won't want to do it. 
They had the kicking team and the receiving team 10 yards apart down the field, had the kicker back at the normal 35 or the 40, wherever they're kicking from. And then the kicking team, those guys couldn't move until the ball was kicked. No, until the ball went past them. I don't know, some rule. No, when they got t- I touched the ball, that's what it was. I'm doing a great job of explaining this. <laughs> the idea was, the thing they're trying to get rid of on kickoffs are the collisions. The guy's running at full speed. So this way, you're 10 yards apart. That's, the, that's as much of a head of steam as you can get. And you smash into each other. Mm-hmm. But the, you still could onside kick, but you had to declare the onside kick. Everybody go back and line up like normal. Um... And then was it the XFL or was it the AAF? I can't keep track of all these football leagues that went bankrupt. Um, where you could run a play to try to keep the ball. You had to gain like 15 yards, and if you didn't get it, then the other team got the ball at the spot where you snapped it. So there was a severe penalty if you didn't get it. But if you got the 15-yard gain, first down, keep going. <laughs> and that, that's the rule that the NFL almost adopted. It's nothing like watching a game while you're doing a podcast, but Justin Herbert is playing quarterback for the Chargers, just threw a pass, and with no one around, lost his shoe and his insole. It was great. It was a great yeah, I'm watching game. that same game. Yeah, yeah. it's not, yeah. Shoe strange. went farther than the ball. Right. But both were incomplete. <laughs> that sounds like, that sounds like uh, you know, a play-by-play of a, of a Mitch pass. The shoe went farther than the ball. So anyway, back to uh, back to the game we're supposed to be talking about. Right. Um it really did look like we know better, but for at least the first half, you're like, you know what? This is a Mitch they can win with. You know, this guy smart. Although I just, even in the first half, I think it was the only time he got sacked. He did the thing again where he tried to spin to the middle of the field with like surrounded by like five guys. It's like, why do you do that? Either go down or go to the sidelines where you can see what's coming and you could get out of bounds if you have to. Um, work on that in, in next off season's footwork. He did uh, make class. a few legitimately great plays though, which were he did. The, the touchdown pass to Montgomery was an especially good play. One where yes. Improvised he, it. he looked, he made everybody think he was going to run. He probably had decided he was going to, but he looks up and he sees a guy wide open. And not only does he throw it to him, he makes a nice pass. He leads him away from the defender on his way to the end zone. The uh, his third down scramble, where the yep. Giants blew up the screen pass, was a very nice play. Right, um, and that's never really been the issue with Mitch. It's the it's it's all the plays he just doesn't make, the things he doesn't see, the throws that he misses because his feet are somehow he's crossed his feet and just tripping himself as he's throwing, throwing uh, in a quadruple coverage. Yeah. He's still, Allen Robinson must be jealous. Uh, he threw the Alice, Allen Robinson into triple coverage pass to Javon Wims. Yeah. Javon <laughs> caught it, and Robinson's like, they replaced me already. Yeah. Maybe they really should trade me. Should have been mine. Yeah, and, and you see all that in the in the second half. All of that decision-making and all those things that Mitch does that are just maddening that you can't get any consistency out of them. So for the second week in a row, the Bears got a team where some of their best players were um, being hauled off on the churro cart. 
And I'm going to call it that now. Came up with that today only because Adam Schefter made it sound like, I forget who it was. That today was a bloodbath. The first, in the, the, the early games today, guys, good players, great players. I mean, it sounds like Saquon may have torn his ACL. But all across the league, there were guys. Nick Bosa looks like he tore his ACL. He'll be out for the year. Yeah. In fact, it may have been Bosa, but somebody, one of Schefter's first tweets at like, you know, 12.04 Central Time was blankety blank calls for the cart. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Is he, get, is he buying churros for everybody on the t- on the field? Like, all right, bring the churro cart. Time out. Bring the cart out. We're all going to have little, we're going to have socially distanced churros. Right. Uh, but in the game today for the Bears, the Giants isn't that just their best running back, one of the best running backs in the NFL, gone early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sterling Shepard, who was a guy that I don't really like because I drafted him on my fantasy team, but a good receiver, uh, turns his toe inside out, gone. Mm-hmm. And still there's the Giants in the fourth quarter just running the ball up and down the field like they're an actual competent offense. And not only that, but Jason Garrett, of all people, is calling their <laughs> place. Yeah. Yeah, all this with uh, no timeouts. As you say, half their team missing, and they just marched right down, and and they came just a couple of yards away from stealing it. And the Bears won, um, won this game on no, um, uh, or would not have won this game without the contributions on offense of Bobby Massey. One Robert Massey. He catches the most important pass of the day. Um, so we were just joking before we got on that in the, in the box score, they target Massey with one catch on one target. How is it a target when the ball is thrown to the other side of the field to someone else is knocked into the air and then you catch it? So are they basically saying that Mitch is like a, is like fast Eddie Felson and he called the bank? He's like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go off this side. I'm going to go right over to Massey. That's who I'm trying to throw it to guys. Well, now I'm waiting uh, for um, Massey to delete all of his bear references from his social media and, and demand a trade and demand that he be paid like the top five NFL receiver that he is. Yeah. Because that was the Bears' most important catch of the day, as it turned out. Well, if it's incomplete, then they give the ball back. They still end up, I'm sure, ridiculously kicking a 50-yard field goal with a guy who they knew wasn't going to make it. Um, yeah. In fact, it would have been... No, they couldn't have because they needed that first down. They wouldn't have been able to kick. They would have punted. But they would have given the Giants considerably more time, and we'd be talking about a loss, I think. So Bobby Massey won the game for the Bears with his reception. It's impressive, I think, anytime an offensive lineman catches it because, A, they don't know what's coming. B, the offensive line guys usually wear those big, ridiculous gloves all taped up (laughs) because they're going to be smacking other guys (coughs) constantly. Right. Um, I'm not surprised you can catch anything. So that was it was pretty good. Um, so he had uh, he had more catches today than Anthony Miller. Yep. On th- on two less targets. Yeah. <laughs> just how they uh, just how they're drawing it up. So um, Miller cost the Bears uh, four points in the first quarter. That was right. another great pass from Mitch. Hits him mm-hmm. right on the head. He gets, drops it in over the defender. The perfect pass. Stick your hands out. All you got to do is catch it as you're sliding into the end zone. But same catch as last week. Actually, a little easier, I think. 
and he drops it. Yep. And then they have to kick a field goal on the next play. Um, at the time, it was 10 nothing. You're like, they're going to score 40. What's it matter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it mattered. Because they, they only scored seven more all day. Yeah, at that point, the Bears five and a half looked pretty sweet. Well, I was feeling really good about that. And I was kicking myself. Like, oh, I can't believe it. I didn't pick that. I didn't bet that. I didn't do any of that. And then, uh, right. Yeah. And then, as it turns out, they, of course, don't. I was going to joke. I was a little late on the tweeting um, that when Santos lined up for the field goal that would have made it 20 to 13, that Cairo Santos was kicking to put the game into overtime. Um, <laughs> thankfully, you know, they didn't need those three points because they didn't get them. Yeah. I wonder how, I wonder what Eddie Pinheiro, um, if he's like actively rooting for Santos to miss these because um you know, I even though I'm sure the Bears have told Eddie, Oh yeah, the job's yours when you get off the injured list after after next week he'd be eligible to come off the inj- the injured list. Mm-hmm. Um but if Santos just keeps making field goals and he's made all the ones so far that you thought he could make, because I don't think any of us really thought he was gonna make that. Um, at the very least, I think he just gets stashed on the practice squad again in case Eddie, um, sucks. Yeah. So I wonder if he's over there, you know, I think he, yeah, oh, darn, I, he missed it. Oh, shucks. Uh, oh, that's too on. bad. Don't be too hard on him. Oh. <laughs> well, I think if I were him, I'd be rooting, you know, I'd be rooting against him. Wouldn't you? It's kind yeah, of human f- nature. So, um. Are we surprised that when he went to kick the 50-yard field goal, Staley wasn't on one side of the goal post and Eddie on the other? And Eddie's like giving, the, like he's trying to get a free throw shooter to miss. Because Staley's really good at doing the thing where the as the field goal is missed, he pretends that he's been shot. And then he like yeah. crumples to the ground and dies. You know. And then Eddie's over there jumping up and down. Staley got some good air, some good air time today. He was uh, had the yeah. big had the big mask on in the stands. Clark must be super jealous because um, Clark is not allowed in Wrigley during games ever, <laughs> which is actually great. It's one of my favorite two things that I can get behind with the Ricketts uh, as far as game days go is that they banned, except for two games last year for no apparent reason, they don't allow the players to wear the blue jerseys at home. Home games are for the pinstripes. There was an advert start, and then the next day last year, they wore the blues for some reason. I don't know why. And then they got rid of that. And they don't allow Clark in the stadium during the games, which is great. He's like, he, They're like, no, no, no. You're a, you're a Gallagher Way kind of mascot. You go over there. <laughs> you stay over there. You got to right. wear pants to be at Wrigley. You right. got to stay over there. Yeah. And then in the pandemic, yeah. it doesn't make any sense at all to have a mascot. Well, who's he... You know, who's entertaining? Might as yeah. well have him who, sit he... in the dugout with the guys. He can just be, you know, just yucking it up with him. I'm yeah. the morale coach. <laughs> <laughs> Watch me mime to Schwarber that he that he kicked a ball into the ivy. <laughs> Hilarious. <Yeah. laughs> but there's Staley in the in the stadium, and he had props. He had the fake sunglasses yeah. and the sun that reflective the thing sun? that right. no, nobody the, the... other than like an actress in the '50s but has ever used. You know, right, right. The thing. I, I feel like Stan Roper used that in an episode of Three's Company. <laughs> oh, that could be. That could very well be. I think that might have been it. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like a um, Mr. Furley thing. 
He seems oh, like could more be a, of a... Yeah. I can't imagine Mr. Roper would spend a lot of time at the pool. Mrs. Roper, though. I think so. Mrs. Roper. I, it's sure. probably hers. He was probably carrying it back for her. That could have been it. That could have been it. Or maybe it was Mr. Furley. Or maybe it was both. Maybe they just love that prop on that show so that could much. Be. Hey, we paid for this. We're going to use it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen I've seen crazier things. The network says they love the Sun Shield. We got to work it in. We got to work it in once into every episode. The All Sun right. Shield tested through the roof. <laughs> people love it. People in <laughs> people in Iowa are crazy yep. for the Sun Shield. Yes, got to keep using. You, you, bring it to the Regal Beagle. Use it inside. We don't care. I think Mrs. Mrs. Roper, uh, underrated sitcom. Uh, Fantastic. She was very good. Fantastic. Yes. And set up old Stan perfect for all of his, you know, he got to do all the best you know, eye rolls in the business. He did. Norman Fell. Nobody can roll an eye like Norman Fell. No one can roll an eye like a Norman Fell. But the my favorite, my favorite by far, uh, Three's Company character is Larry Dallas. I loved oh, yes. him. He was the oh, yes. best. <laughs> Yes, so Charles Davis and Ian Eagle turned the game for a little while into an Arena Football League uh, podcast where they reminisced about games they called in the Arena League. And I, we've turned this into a Three's Company podcast. Yeah. yeah it's fine. I, I, you know what? I'm okay with both both of those yeah. things happening, too. Yes. Ian Eagle, uh, one of my favorites. I uh, I think, he's, I like I think he's good. I think he's funny without trying to be funny. Like, just legitimately thinks of something funny and says it. Yep. Uh, it doesn't hurt that he's often uh, Bill Raftery adjacent, which I think makes yes. everybody. And uh, I wasn't kidding when. So uh, um, Mark Silverman, I was make, I thought I was making fun of them for their Arena League podcast. I was actually just pointing it out. And he's like, hey, these guys are better than Stockton and um, uh. and Vilma. Right. And I'm like, oh, well. no, no, I genuinely like these guys. And I wasn't kidding when I said I really, if I were CBS, I would have um, – for one possession during every game, I would get Raftery on Zoom just to have him call Eagle Bird because he always calls him. And he says it like that. Hey, Bird. So, all right. That's probably enough uh, Bill Raftery talk to. Oh, I like I like Rafferty talk. And, and they, technologically, I'm sure he's set up. They could probably do that real, real easily. Yeah. Uh, Ian was on uh, Jimmy Trana's podcast and uh, the SI Media podcast, I think it's called. And uh, Trina was like, do you miss Raft? Because I can't imagine Raft can Zoom. And Ian's like, oh, no, no. Raft has learned how to Zoom. <laughs> he, goes, <laughs> he goes, it's opened a whole new world for us. He said, we have co- he said they literally, there's a bunch of guys who have cocktail Zoom cocktail parties with Bill Raftery. So I want to get invited <laughs> to one of those. He's learned how to Zoom, and he's driving us crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, it's hard to get too tough on the defense in a game when you only give up 13 points. Obviously, it's exacerbated when they're 10 of them are in the fourth quarter and all of them are in the second half. Um, and when they're going against a completely depleted yeah. offense. All right, that's another that's that's another part of it. That's a that's an issue. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pull up the team stats here. Let's take a look at. Uh, Let's see. They had uh, total yards. Uh, you know, the 
for as much as it looked like the Bears were going to run away with this, they end up gaining nine more yards than the Giants in the game. Mm-hmm. It's not optimal, especially when by far the Giants' best player leaves in the first quarter. Right. Uh, Bears did dominate time of possession, though, by a good by nine minutes. Fat lot of good, always, them, but at least always they had the, the ball. always the least important stat. We got uh, time of possession. We got two Khalil Mack appearances. Yeah. Um, he recovered the fumble that Robert Quinn forced on the uh, first possession of the game for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Set up, which should have been the touchdown to Anthony Miller instead of was a field goal. And then Mack had a sack on the final drive where he... Um, was unblocked. He, yes, and he didn't do the thing where he attacks... The thing I love about Khalil is when he gets a shot at a quarterback, his whole goal first is to steal the ball. Just like, give me that. I'll take it. You're not using mm-hmm. that. I'll take it. Right. Um, but instead, he did the second, my second favorite Khalil Mack move, which is where he literally just grabs the quarterback and throws him. <laughs> like, here, <laughs> you're done. Go over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Get out of my field. Hopefully getting Robert Quinn. And clearly he was limited. We still saw a lot of Barkevius Mingo today, which is not. Had a sack himself, I believe. Did he not? Mingo. Uh... I feel like he had a sack. He could have. Bears had four. See? Yeah, you can look four. that up. Um, uh, Mingo. Well, he did. Yeah, it's a legitimately yeah. good name. Uh, yes. But hopefully Quinn playing more and more. Apparently he hurt his ankle last week. They Bears made it into a mystery because it's just the kind of shit they do. Right. Um, hopefully the more he plays, the more Khalil gets blocked by just two guys instead of three or four. And then we get to see him terrorize people, which is fun. Mm-hmm. As much as it is necessary for the Barry defense, I just like to watch it. So it annoys me when he's not getting to do Khalil Mack things because it's fun. It's fun, and uh, and uh, he's, he's the. We're, I mean, we're just waiting for Quinn and Mack to team up when they're both at full strength, and it should be a, it should be tons of fun watching them wreak havoc if they can actually both get on the field healthy at the same time. Yes. Because Khalil apparently has been injured, too. Although, who knows? Yeah. I mean, injury reports, um, a typical Belichick fashion. There was a game where, after the game, he said that Tom Brady was dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury. And it wasn't on the injury report. And so the NFL got mad. And so, literally, for like the next 10 years, they listed Brady as questionable with a shoulder. <laughs> just a troll. Yep, Belichick's like, all right, fine. Here he is. He's on the sheet. They just, <laughs> I think, when they made out when the when the Patriots printed off the form, it was it was just like a permanent part of the. It was the first line was Brady Q shoulder, and then they would actually fill in all the other stuff. That was like part of the letterhead on their thing. Wouldn't, so, wouldn't surprise me if they're still doing that, even with Brady on the yeah, still. Right. Hey, listen, as, as Brady puts TB in parentheses next to it for Tampa, not for Tom Brady. Tells Bruce Aarons, I ha- don't worry, we handle it. We, we put Tom on the injury list for you. Um, it's, he put him on ours, but that's fine. You can have it. He's questionable. He's questionable. So you never know. NFL teams are, you know, the stuff that they try to keep secret is a constant, yeah, constant frustration and amusement to me. Never know, never know what might give you the edge. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we had we, we ran into this again this week where 
CBS showed both Bill Lazor, my favorite name, and Nagy. And both look like they're calling the plays, which is what the Bears want. Yeah. And for the second week in a row, the announcers assume that Nagy is the one calling the plays. I don't think he is. At least, he's certainly not calling all of them. Because the Bears are still running the ball. And in two full seasons with him, he proved that he gives up on that as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. But they ran it 32 times today. Although look, was calling him on that, you know, on that on that drive we were talking about earlier when it was third and one and fourth and one, and he well, I don't shotgun. I don't doubt that he because he's the head coach, he can just go. All right, I got it, and he takes. I got it, it guys. Dick used to be the best. So Ed Hughes was the offensive coordinator during the Bears' best years. Yeah, and Ditka would literally go rip the play sheet out of his hands and start calling plays. You know, it's. Ditka and Brett Favre had this thing in common, which was they they wanted you to know exactly what was happening. If Favre had, if his foot itched, he would lay on the ground and writhe around like he was in horrible pain. So that then for the rest of the game, you're like, oh, look at him. He's really gutting it out with this terrible injury. And I always said that Cutler's biggest problem, the biggest mistake he made in this whole career with the Bears was in the AFC title game when he, when he hurt his knee. That he didn't, um, because he did try to play on it. Olin Cruz talks about how standing in the huddle, Cutler's couldn't stay his couldn't stabilize his knee. His leg was, you know, shaking back and forth. Um, and he did try to play on it, but what he should have laid on the ground and made them carry him off the field. That's Favre would have done that. Favre yeah. would have made sure the whole world knew, I'm being carried off on my shield. Oh God, I don't want to go. But Jay was right, like, right. Jay's like, I can't play. Don't care. Going to go stand over here. He was legitimately hurt, and he was getting all he got hit for his, the rest of his career. He got shit for supposedly wussing out in an NFC championship game, which wasn't true. Um, yeah. The, the, yeah. Uh, the coaching equivalent of that was Ditka making sure that the world saw him literally take the play sheet. Like, I'm in charge. It was Al Haig. I'm in charge now. He grabs the thing, and there he is. <gasps> Well, then the best part of that was the play would come into McMahon, you know, yeah. and McMahon would change it. He would it. immediately change it. <laughs> and then Dick would lose his shit. They called the suey sweep, damn it. Because that was back in the days when the Bears had the sophisticated way of shuttling plays in was they would alternate tight ends on every play and send the play in with the tight end. And you see all those things. Poor Emery Moorhead. Let's Dick a spit out right. of him, I'm Dick sure. Like Jay Saldy would run in with the play. And McMahon would be like, oh, like we are not running that shit. And he would change the play. So then the next play, Moorhead would have to come in with it. And Dick would like grab Moorhead by the face mask and shake it. Like, you tell him that this is a play that we're going to run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then McMahon would change the play. Yeah. <laughs> or just immediately say, all right, fine. Call, get in the formation, and then immediately audible and change it all. Um, right. Which I doubt ever hurt their cause. I, I can't it imagine it ever was, was for the best that yeah. Jim was doing that. Which you know just drove Dicka insane. Yes, he would he would change his plays and the offense would be competent. Ah, uh, the good old days. We also had a great moment in, um, you know, with even though there's fake crowd noise and they're still doing the PA and they're playing music, you can hear a lot more stuff on the field. Um, there was a, oh, it was a uh, Cordero kick return where 
the Giants thought he fumbled. And they scooped up the ball, and the ref called him down, and they were yelling. And you could clear as day hear the ref say, uh, if you don't like it, you could challenge it. Yeah. Which is, you know, I'm sure they say that 40 times a game. But we, you know, it sounded like he was sitting in the living room with us. And they, somebody looked at him and went, no, we're not challenging that. He was down. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. But it's, I like to, you don't get it in football. I like the passive aggressive thing in baseball, though, where like the runner is tagged out and is sure he's safe. So he does the thing like he's not going to leave the field. Right. Just stands right. there. Like, no, wait, they're going to look at this. I mean, the two kings of that are Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras. Yeah, yeah. Wilson will Wave basically sit, Wilson will like sit on the bag and be like, "No, they're gonna look at this." And then Ross is over like trying to get him off the field. Like you're out. He goes like Wilson, you're, Come on. you're out, Wilson. Yeah. We, we don't even need to. We don't need to look at the video. You were out. <laughs> we can see that from here. <laughs> so I want an NFL equivalent of that, where like, yeah. uh, where like the Giants just send the offense out, and you have both <laughs> offenses on the field at the same time, and they're just like, "Nope, we know that's ours." So we're we're sending the offense out, right. <laughs> be like the the outsiders, the two gangs face each other. Well, how about that for a potential rule change? How about this on a change of possession? If you challenge it mm-hmm. and you're wrong, if you're you, the your opposite unit, then has to play the next play. Oh, so, so like there's a Giants challenge. It's their ball. They say, okay, if you want to challenge it, you got to send your offense out. The offense comes out, gets upheld on replay. The Bears get to run the next play with the Giants offense playing defense i love that yeah that's pretty good this is the kind of this is the pandemic rule stuff now if, if, if todd manford was in charge i was gonna say we've seen football, crazier all this stuff in- would be happening and i'd be right. all for it i don't like any of his baseball rule changes but i'd be all for these football ones mostly because i just dreamt them up in the last uh 10 minutes yeah give it yeah. absolutely no thought to that's great well but that's okay you know what they add excitement and that's what it's all about just adding excitement to the game uh, so yeah, so we had to see Ryan Nall play. Very that was exciting. Um, he also debut. had he had fewer yards of Bobby Massey receiving. He had two instead of four. Yeah, we had Cole Komet with his big impact on the game. Yeah, he um, he got to learn firsthand that Soldier Field turf is terrible. Yep, because he ran, he planted, he turned, he was open, and his feet were sliding out of the way, but he still made the catch. He um, did. But uh, yeah, so he's yeah. got one pass. He's caught one pass in two weeks. Now uh, there was a thing. I'll put a link to it under the uh, when if you go to Decipio to play the podcast, it'll be there. Um, but you'll have to have ESPN Plus to watch it, um, and I'm not paying for it for any of you. So if if you have it, you can watch it. But uh, they do this thing called detail, which is um, some big mucky muck in the sports world uh, takes a look in depth at either another player or there's some really good ones. One of my favorite ones is Dennis Rodman breaking down the Bulls triangle offense. And it sounds like it would be terrible, but it's great. Dennis understands it inside and out and does a great, you know, and you know, he didn't bother to watch. I'm sure they sent him the tape all cut up. We're going to show these plays. You can talk about them. He didn't bother to watch any of it, but he, he, as it's going, he remembers what's going to happen, or at least he can yeah. tell from the way they set up. It's really good. Uh, there's one with Steve Kerr talking about. Um, I only watched the Bulls ones. So there's Steve Kerr. There's a Phil Jackson one. That, well, now they have one. Peyton Manning breaking down Mitch from last week. Oh. Um, and it's really good. Um, 
one of the things Peyton points out is it's very easy to tell on any play-action pass immediately if it's a pass or if it's a run because when it's a pass, Mitch hurries through it. He doesn't bother with a good fake, and he moves much faster back towards the running back when he's going to pass than when he's actually going to hand off. And um, so basically play action for the Bears doesn't work because Mitch Perfect. can't make them look the same to the point where he, he shows three or four examples, and then they break out old Colts practice film of him and the Colts working on how they would do it to make the plays. So that, Because the whole idea with play action is simply to get a linebacker or the defensive backs, if they're, look, if they're in zone and they're looking in, it's to get them to pause for just a second because that's all you need. But if they can immediately tell, like, oh, shit, that's not an actual. And he, he complains about Mitch's pace on that, but also how um, he calls it the he calls it the mesh. But basically what he's saying is Mitch and the running backs don't ever sell the fake. You can tell right away he's not, um, not going to actually try to, you know, some teams, the quarterback puts it in the guy's stomach and then pulls it out. Um, yeah. In fact, there was an old offense. We played against it in high school because I'm a million years old. called the belly offense, which was a bitch to play against, where the quarterback would literally, every play, the quarterback would turn and put the ball in the fullback's stomach. And sometimes he'd let him keep it, but other times he'd pull it out, and then the next option was the halfback, and he could do the same thing, and then he could just run it. And it was you ended up just having to tackle everybody. In fact, that's what we did. On every play, you tackle the fullback, you tackle the halfback, you tackle the quarterback, and one of them is going to have the goddamn ball, and they're going to be down. Um, you I feel like ta- there was a bear. I feel like there was a bear quarterback that was really good at that. Well, there've been a lot of quarterbacks who are good fakers. Mitch is like not- wasn't no was an Eric Kramer good at that, or am I am I hallucinating? He could have been. The guy I think yeah. would be bad at it would have been Dave Craig because he had those tiny little hands. Yeah. I can just see him losing the ball every time. Like, oh, I can't get it back from the guy. Um, Harbaugh feels like a guy who would have been good at it. Because I'm sure that's right. all he did in practice with Michigan. Was, um, right. <laughs> running the freaking option, for God's sake. Yeah. I'm sure that he yeah. knew how to fake. With Shem Beckler screaming at him. So he talks about that. He talks about he. It was funny when I saw Ted Ginn was uh, inactive today. Because I was like, oh, I think Nagy watched uh, Detail. Because... Peyton shows a play over and over and over again that Ginn fucked it up because he refused to block. And it was one of those, it's like, he didn't even have to like actually block the guy. He just had to get in the way and he just didn't do it. And, but the best part about it is Ted takes like two steps towards the defensive back who then comes in off the end and blows up a play. And Ginn turns to the bench and throws his hands up in the air. Like not my fault. (laughs) And Peyton's basically like, you know how you can tell whose fault it is? It's the guy going, that wasn't my fault. That's usually the the clue, yeah. yeah. And then he makes fun of uh, Cole Komet went to block the wrong guy, and it it screwed up a play. But as Peyton pointed out, like he he went past the guy he clearly should have blocked. It was the closest guy, you know. And he goes he goes after the safety, but then he doesn't. He goes after him, but he doesn't block him. And Peyton's like, okay, that's well, fine. If you're if you're gonna block the wrong guy, actually block him at least. You know, don't just like run up to that. him and go, oh, I screwed up. I was supposed to block that guy. I'm not going to block you now. Right. Uh, so Cole and Ted get uh, criticized. The one play I was a little disappointed in was um, I think Peyton 
bit his tongue on the the pass to Allen Robinson in triple coverage. He talks about it. He shows that Jimmy Graham is wide open and basically says, yeah, I know this guy over here is all by himself for a four-yard pass, and he's probably going to turn and score a touchdown. When uh, Vilma called it out during the broadcast. Yeah. Last but Peyton's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but this is a great catch. And he <laughs> shows it over <laughs> and over again. It's like, yeah. You well, can just tell Peyton's catch. like, yeah, that was not the right guy to throw it to. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know who evidently didn't watch that that detail about uh, uh, Bears in play action was the Giants, at least in the first half, because they, they were doing play action like crazy, and it was working. Yeah. Well, maybe. And I'll, when I go back to rewatch the tape, <clears throat> spoiler alert, I will not be rewatching the tape. Um, that was one of my favorite things about, I don't, I don't listen to the score. I haven't listened to the score for over a year now. I just gave up on it. I decided it was not of any value. Yeah. The only thing I've been hanging out for was the Joe Madden show. And when Joe was gone, there was just no reason to listen ever again. Um, but I would love it in the old days when guys would call in to talk about the bears and it would just be a regular fan who'd be like, I haven't graded the tape yet, but, and he'd have his thoughts about the bears offensive line. And, you know, Terry Boers or uh, Dan McNeil, God rest, his, God rest his career soul, um, would be like, wait a minute, you're going to do what? And they're like, well, yeah, I'd like to go back and grade. It's like, yeah, send the grades and we want to see them. Okay. And they're like, no, don't. We really don't want to see those. Yeah, Terry, I'm going to grade out the offensive uh, line here. I, don't, I didn't know why Bobby Massey needed to go to the ground on that reception. So I marked him down for it. Really, I think he could have picked up an extra three yards if he just uh, hadn't uh, tried to dive after it. Yeah, yeah, he didn't have his shoulders in the right uh, position yeah. there. Uh, it's like, what do they think, Terry? You know, what what are they looking for? Like, you know, I mean, it's they don't ask me to do detail; they ask Peyton Manning to do it because yeah. Peyton actually knows what that's, he's looking for. That's who you want is someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Doing that sort of yeah, I'd be like, what's with the silver pants on the Lions? Really, who do they think they're fooling? Yeah, you know, that's exactly, not, and that's not valuable. It's, yeah, it's no, like, yeah, we we don't need Nick from Berwyn to break it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're good so maybe maybe the Bears actually took it to heart and went you know what fake sucked well, you know Mitch, you, you screwed us in the first three quarters of the Lions game and uh, it's no no shock then that we only moved it in the fourth when it was just pass 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 and you know they you know they didn't have to worry about play action anymore maybe maybe it was better I doubt it but maybe it was yeah. it did make me wonder yeah. you know the Bears have like a thousand guys who supposedly coach the quarterback and they have the last right. few years I mean they got Bill Lazor. They got John DeFilippo. Yes. Um, Nagy himself. Of course. Yeah. Um, Mark Helfrich is probably still, you know, calling Mitch on Tuesday nights to chat. Nick and, Foles, but, I'm sure, is, is weighing in, too. Right. And Tyler Bray. I'm sure Tyler Bray yeah. is, you know, telling him all this stuff. <laughs> and he still fundamentally is bad. There were a couple of times today where he was, he did the thing again where he's throwing the ball, but he has neither foot on the ground. He's not just not stepping into it. He's like, he's like doing the old Tim Tebow jump pass. For no yeah. reason. Yeah, he's not doing the Aaron Rodgers thing. It's like, this, Whereas, is, this is year four of this. Because when he, it's, it's, they always talk about, you know, he's really good when the play breaks down. Well, the funny thing about it is when the play breaks down and he goes to throw, he does it right. Like, when he's not thinking about it and when he's not, like, in the pocket where he really, you know, if he's on the run, he's able to, like, because he's a good athlete, he's able to kind of get himself in a position and he's more accurate. Well, the reason he's more accurate is because his fundamentals aren't just thrown out the window like they are on random occasions when he's, you know, back there passing. It's like I don't right. know that you can ever that you can fix that because if you can, they haven't done it for four years. 
Um, don't think don't think so much, Mitch. You'll only hurt the ball club. Exactly. I don't I don't think it's that um um Dowell Loggins taught him how to do it all wrong the first year. Um I don't think Dowell Loggins taught him anything. I think that was no. year one, I think was just a like pretty easy to hit reset for year two. But uh yeah, I don't think it I don't think it was you know, I don't know how, how what the great Larry Fedora taught him at North Carolina. Um <laughs> Jesus. Never play for a guy named after a hat. No. It just seems like a bad idea. Although it is, if you are to be named after a hat. Yeah, Fedora's pretty good. Yeah, he's got the coolest hat to be named after. But yeah, right there, just... Yeah, yeah. Larry Beanie not, does not inspire the confidence that Larry Fedora does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, don't think right. Larry, I don't think Larry Beanie gets a coordinator job, much less a head job. Larry, Larry Visor. <laughs> well, we, got, we have Matt Visor. We see how that that worked out for us. Uh, Now, one thing I did notice, this has nothing to do with today's game or next week, so it's great that I'm bringing it up now. Um, But Nagy, now, one of the things, when Lovey took over, one of the things Lovey said was, famously, in the press conference, we're going to beat Green Bay. That was was like his first things out of his mouth, which meatball fans like me ate up because the Packers have been shoving it up the Bears for years after years of the Bears shoving it up the Packers. And you're like, yeah, let's go. Um, but the other thing he said was going to control the, I'm sure it was the North by then. I don't think it was the central when Lovey took over. Um, did you know Nagy has the only division opponent he's lost to is Green Bay. He's undefeated against the Lions and the Vikings. I mean, obviously I knew the Lions thing. Vikings too. Well, that's fascinating. Five and zero against the Lions, four and zero against the Vikings and one and three against Green Bay. Huh? Um, so you think, all right, well, that'll get it done. Well, speaking, speaking of the Vikings, what, what what is going on with them? They took another, they crapped the bed uh, again today. Yeah. Well, they're um, realizing that they let Stefan Diggs go for no reason. Mm-hmm. And um, then they lost one of their defensive ends to free agency. And then Danielle Hunter apparently is hurt. So they traded for the guy from Jacksonville, and everybody's like, oh, look at this, they're loading up. No, they weren't loading up. They're like, God, we have no defensive ends. We have to trade for somebody. So they're kind of a mess. Yeah. Uh, which means it's the Bears' division to win. I'm going to ignore the fact that Aaron Rodgers is putting 40 on everybody so far. Right. And shows right. probably no, uh, probably not going to slow down. Uh, well, I think. Uh, the Bears' losing streak starts 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 away from today. Although, I mean, if you're going to play the Falcons, what better time to play them than after an epic collapse today against the Cowboys, where they basically um, basically reenacted their last Super Bowl appearance by getting off to a very to a nice big lead and then watching it just disintegrate before their very eyes. The Cowboys kicked field goal and won on the very last play of the game. So, once again, maybe the Bears... Now, the Bears have lucked out so far in the first two weeks. Everybody, all the good players on both teams is left on the churro cart. Maybe this time they don't need the churro cart. Just psychologically, the Falcons are so distraught that uh, the Bears could take advantage of it. Let's hope so. Let's um, hope so. Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt today. I just saw where he most hurt. So we were talking earlier a lot, a lot of a lot of major injuries around the league uh, today. Yeah, the best injury on that list is Devonte Adams from the Packers. Um, yes, although I don't, it didn't sound like it was that bad. It was a hamstring um, because um, 
it would be nice for Rodgers to not have him to throw to. Not that I'm bitter or anything. No. Um, so, I mean, probably should say this for the Packer Week podcast, but, you know, why Why wait? Because I've thought of it. Um, so, part of Rodgers' resurgence could be that he's no longer dating noted former Bears yeah. fan and um, person who never won a race but did lead a lap at Indianapolis, Danica Patrick. Danica is from right around here. She went to uh, Rockton Hananiga High School, which is just a little bit north of Rockford. And I have two friends who went to high school with her. Really? They are, yeah. these two are best friends. Like, you know, inseparable friends. Both married mm-hmm. now. One of them has kids, but they're still inseparable. One of them hates Danica Patrick. The <laughs> other one says, no, she was really nice. And it's always hmm. cracked me up that these two have like the polar opposite ideas of Danica. And they do the same thing where the one is like, um, she's like, they were, apparently they were cheerleaders together, like as freshmen at Hananiga. And that's how they got to be friends or knew each mm-hmm. other. I guess one of them obviously didn't think they were friends. Um, but it's like, one of them is like, I felt so bad for her because she had to leave school to go to England to join some weird like race car series. And the other one is like, that that stuck-up bitch took off in high school to go to England to join some race car series. It's just always cracked me up. I've never talked to the two of them together about her, only separately. Someday, I should do a podcast. I should get the three of us together and have them tell Danica high school stories. Hey, um, the, fr- the friends, do they know one another? The friends are, what do you mean? The friends, uh, the friends are, the friends we both know are, are they're the ones they are best friends. They, oh, oh, okay. I've talked, you know, I've spent time with both of them together, but we've never talked about Danica. But independently, I've I've asked both of them about her, and that's where you get the polar opposite. I just okay. think it's so funny the two people who are best friends have completely opposite takes on Danica. Gotcha. Um, anyway, I miss, I miss Aaron seems very friend. rejuvenated um, without her. He does, which, which may have nothing to do with it at all. But it always Probably reminds nothing. me that you know, by I guess I'm what is that one degree of separation from Danica? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, the friend and then Danica. So yeah, or the two friends. And then and slightly older than them by three or four years is um, Nicole Briscoe, who's on ESPN, who's married to Ryan Briscoe, a car uh, like an indie racer. Um, also went to the same high school at roughly the same time, which I just find ironic. Anyway, nobody wow. cares about any of this, but um, <laughs> my brush with uh, race car elite is through um, their friends. Very nice. Oh, actually, the reason I brought that up was I was stalling because I was looking to see if the uh, where the bear game is next week. And then I didn't bother to look for it while I was rambling on about Danica Patrick. So that didn't work. Um, as if it really matters because, but it's at Atlanta. Okay. Which makes sense because the preliminary line for this game um, was Falcons by three, which really meant they haven't bothered to put a line on it yet. Right. Did the because I don't think I mean can you really give the um, the three points for home field advantage when there really is no home field advantage other than one team a, has, yeah. has to get on a plane and the other one doesn't. 
Wouldn't think so. Actually, the advantage no. might be to the Bears because the um, they'll be able to run around without falling down on the turf for the entire game. <laughs> that's true. But that's a nooner on Fox week from today. Um, didn't see the over under, but I think every Bear game is going to be forty two and a half. <laughs> they, right. They've already. That's just locked in for the year. That starts a. Um, it's a, it's a, well, obviously it's a weird schedule, but they, you know, they play the NFC South as the, as the crossover Mm -hmm. and they play three of those four teams in the next, well, they play all three of them in the next six weeks coming up. So they've got Atlanta at home. They go to or Atlanta at Atlanta. They're home for Indy and Tampa. They go to Carolina. They go to the Rams and then they play the Saints. The Saints. Yeah. Then they're at Tennessee, so they don't play anybody in the North again. You know, Matt Nagy's sweet spot right. until middle of November, and by then, who knows? We may not have a league because of COVID. We may not have a country because of the election. I mean, who knows? So much could happen. Yeah. So much could happen. So they may never. This may have. Well, last week may have been the last NFC North game they ever play, but I doubt that. Um. So yeah, Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Um, who looked like early on watching the game, it's like, oof, you know, that's uh, going to be tough. But like I said, I think uh, the Bears come in, you know, on a real high, having played so well. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's funny. Well, the, it's funny. The Bears probably played worse than the Falcons. But the Bears, yeah. Bear, Bears didn't quite blow their game, and the Falcons lost theirs. But the Bears come in with all the confidence because they didn't blow their game. They just know how to win, Andy. The Bears Bears team, you can't stop them. They just, no matter what, figure out a way to get the job done. It's very possible. We'll take it. But I think that stops uh, this this, uh, this next game. Yeah, I don't know. If it's Georgia, given the way Georgia has treated this whole pandemic, I would expect there'll be 70,000 fans at the game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> tailgating. I have a feeling that they're at least going to have a, you know, they're going to do the 20% capacity thing. Right, um, right. Like Dallas did, like you were saying, and somehow got 28,000 fans. Yes. 28,000 fans. 28,000 fans. Because when they asked Jera what the capacity <laughs> of the dome was, the uh, it's listed at 80,000, but he's like, oh, no, with the, yeah, he's basically, no, a standard room only, we can put half a million in there. It's like, no, not, no, Jerry, not half a million. Yeah. That, um, well, 150,000. Yeah. Uh, all right, fine. We'll settle. We'll settle for 150. Yeah. So you can have 30,000 crazy Texans breathing on each other in your stadium. Yeah. That seems great. <laughs> uh, so the one thing that the Seahawks have done really well so far this year is give up points. They are averaging 39 and a half points Oof. allowed. No, it's 39. Sorry, there's no half. 78 oh. points in two games. Um, to the Bears' chagrin, they are scoring points. Um, they yes. scored 64 points. They're averaging 34 a game. Um, no, 32. Math is not. It's optional ah. on this podcast. So there you go. I guess it, it'll all come down to who do you trust more, 
the Bear offense to take advantage of a bad Falcon defense, mm-hmm. or the Bear defense to overcome a um, productive Falcons offense so far. I trust neither. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm pessimistic. I you know I if I felt good about the first two games, Bears two and zero. Uh, I think the Falcons are a whole no- another level of football team here, and I think uh, despite their epic collapse today, they're going to uh, maybe take out their frustrations on uh, on the beloved Bear this week. Do you know who the running back, the, the main running back for the Falcons is? I had to be reminded of this. So, uh, Remind me. Todd Gurley. Oh, the great Todd Gurley. Yes, who really was great until his knee fell off. And yeah. uh, not so much. Um, That's right. Huh. So he has. Um, oh, I wonder if they've updated this. Yeah, it looks like they haven't. I was about to give. I'm about to give you the rundown of their stats, and it looks like it's. I'm only looking yeah. at week one. Um, so I've, so I haven't. Yeah. The, I haven't watched the Rams yet. They're going to look a lot different without Todd Gurley. Well, I watched the Rams during uh, the you know, Hard Knocks, whatever weird version of Hard Knocks we saw this year. Yeah, it was a. I really liked the first episode. Um, because it was first basically was cool. about getting ready. How the hell do you even get ready to have training camp in a pandemic? Yeah. And then after an hour of that, they, they really couldn't do that anymore. Um, no. We had the annoying guy whose dad is the strength coach for the Panthers and whose his dad's buddy is Brett Favre and he jumped in on the Zoom call and we got to deal with that and that really annoying skinny little defensive back from the Rams that they kept yeah. telling him they were as they were cutting him we really love your spirit. Yeah. We just wish you could cover anybody. That would be great. But your spirit is great. What a personality we, you have. We had Rex Ryan's kid. Yeah, who thought uh, he had COVID. Thought he was and, in a and then, panic, yeah, and then turned out he didn't. It was a false positive. Another right. So yeah, and I, there was some. I, maybe it was the last episode. I think it was a rookie linebacker. They had just come off the field, and they were eating in the locker room, and he still had his gloves on. Sam <laughs> <laughs> was with his gloves on. I was like, wow. Well, and Come they on, had you supposed to wash your hands at this point, or what, what's happening? It was the Rams, right? Had the defensive back who has the toothpick in on the field. Oh, yeah. That just seems like the worst idea ever. Right. I mean, he's not Dusty Baker or UL Washington. I mean, he's not playing baseball. He's getting hit in the head, and he's got a piece of wood in his mouth with little points good... on it. That just doesn't seem very smart. No, no. Huh. Uh, one thing we have uh, to look forward to is um, Battle of the Ridley Brothers this week. That's uh, exciting. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver for the Falcons, who plays, and then Riley Riley Ridley, wide receiver for the Bears, who doesn't. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's got to cover the great Julio Jones. Yep. Um. But yeah, the Falcons are not. Uh, that's that's not a great running bunch, um, unless you're really excited about whatever's left of Todd Gurley, uh, Brian Hill, Ito Smith, 
Mm-hmm. And that's it. Well, that's, well, Matt Ryan, I'm sure. You know, he's quite a scrambler. Uh, they do have an excellent tight end, Hayden Hurst. And uh, two good wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I would think, you know, this bear, this stout bear defense. <laughs> we'll see. <sighs> we'll see. And it'll be interesting to see if, if, play, if the Bears play action uh, is successful next week. Um, or if the... Uh, Falcons will watch Peyton Manning break it break well, it down for him. Yeah, I'm gonna um, when I have my regular meeting with uh, Matt Nagy, I'm gonna bring that up. Okay. I'm, gonna sh- I'm gonna show him the details thing. Like, look, Peyton and I think you should really work on these fakes. That's what we think. Uh-huh. Yeah, he'll be like, "It's go away." Who are you? How did you get into my living room? Right. Yeah, well, the door was open. And, it, and you can remind him how many combined Super Bowls you've won too. I've won as many as yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Peyton and I have won two. Uh, right. Nagy and I have won none. So I'll remind him of that. Yeah. So, ha! Ah. Exciting. That should get his attention. Yeah, but this is a, um, you know, it's better to be 2-0 and than 0-2, or 1-1. and Yes. I know enough yep. to know that. I would rather be the Bears than the Vikings or the Lions. So that's good. Definitely. Um, I think this Falcon game is winnable. I think next week against the Colts is. Um, mm-hmm. So you could theoretically be four and zero playing Thursday night against the Bucks. Uh, Panthers are bad. Yep. Um, then Rams, Saints, Titans. That's a rough uh, go there later. And then it's like Bears, Vikings, Lions, like right in a row or something. Yeah, then you uh, yeah. Vi- Vikings, exactly. Lions, it's Packers, Vikings, yeah, Packers, Lions. Like then the Texans thrown in, then the Vikings and the Jags and the Packers. So it's backloaded. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if yeah. the idea was at the end of the season, let's um, cut down on travel a little travel, bit and you'll play in your maybe. own division. But it seems like yeah. um, you're running the risk of if uh, COVID rears its ugly head again, that you will have divisions where you teams haven't played each other yet and right. trying to cram those games in. But I think the NFL all along has basically gone with the, uh, it's going to be fine. Approach, literally, yeah. Like, oh yeah, ah, nah, don't worry about it. Nah, it's, everything's it. fine. Right. You know, football in a pandemic, great idea. It's not like guys are breathing on each other or anything. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh yeah, they're not going to be slowed down. That's for sure. And uh, so, one last thing I want to talk about was um, if, you, if you've had the same experience I have watching these games, which is now in different sports in this pandemic can hide the fact that there are no fans better than others. Um, I think the NBA has done a great job. Uh, They basically just decided, screw it. It's fans are a huge part of our experience, but we'll just set up this like um, digital backdrop for everything. And you'll just forget after a while that this is weird. Baseball, it's painfully obvious because every time there's a foul ball, every time there's anything, you see empty seats and you can't get away from it. In football, the last two weeks, after the first couple of minutes, I just completely forget until they show Staley sitting in a section all by himself. Um, so I don't know if that's the same experience that other people I have are the exact, having. I have the exact same experience. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't. It looks the beginning of the game when they're panning, when they're showing the whole stadium. That's when it looks kind of eerie. Yeah. In the in the NFL, but then after it starts, it's just football. Yeah. yeah. It's just football. 
unless Staley and and uh, Norman Feller are sunning themselves in the seats, you don't you don't really notice it. A <laughs> couple of things I missed with the Bear home games is the Bear raid siren. I don't think I heard that. That annoying no. thing. And then um, fans not knowing when to cheer. So that Mitch, you know, we didn't we didn't have the thing where Mitch is at you know inside the ten having to tell the crowd to quiet down so he can audible. Right. I mean, oh, he should just. Oh, God should love just Bear fans. Anyway. I've been one of them my whole life. We are the dumbest. There is no excuse <laughs> for how dumb we are. And um, so yeah, so we haven't had to worry about that. That was actually one of the other things Mitch talked or Mitch Peyton. I get him Peyton. confused. Yeah, which, right. Which one's so similar? Yeah. Um, talked about was he showed um, how the Bears are calling plays at the line. And um, typically, and it, it wasn't unique to the Bears. He was using the Bears as as an example of how things were different this year. You know, there they were on the road, and yeah, the Lions. The Lions may only have seventy thousand fans total, but they go to all the games. So they're, you know, they're well half of them go to the games. So that would have been half half Bear, half Lions at the. But there would have been noise, and the Bears mm-hmm. would have had to done the silent count where Mitch either claps to start things or does the little uh, like he's a horse trying to count, which may be how Mitch counts. I don't know. Kicks his foot in the air. Um, no judgment, by the way. But That's how he counts. That's how he counts. Don't have to do any of that because everybody can hear everything. So he was just able to just do a normal um, cadence, and audibles are easier. Uh, they may be easier for the defense to steal because they can hear too. But um, mm-hmm. you know all that stuff. The line calls to each other. Um, and one of the things I noticed, the Bears are bad at, they're one of the teams that it seems like they're constantly running up to the line of scrimmage, like, holy crap, we're running out of time. And we haven't seen that in two games, except for once today in a crucial play where they, they decide at the kind of the last minute to change running backs. So they brought Montgomery out and I think a tight end, mm-hmm. um, and he was late getting on the field, and then um, not only was he late getting to the huddle, but he dropped something on his way out. And Tree Cohen was running off the field and reached down and picked it up and threw it to him. I assume it was his mouth guard. Yeah. Um, well, then the Bears had to hurry to the line, and they just ran a terrible play. Like, you could tell they didn't, you know, the line didn't exactly know what was going on because they had to snap it so fast. That's the kind of shit that happens to them a lot. And one of the mm-hmm. advantages of it being quiet is I haven't seen any team really struggle with that. You know, they're able to, you know, the quarterback can hear the coach and his little headset. You know, things just move a lot um, smoother because of that. Well, we also haven't seen the Bears do the thing where they, you know, have to burn a timeout with four minutes left in the first quarter for no reason. Yes. We haven't seen them have to right. do that. Which, if I were the coach... We wouldn't do. Um, we would. I would be far more willing to take a delay game penalty than these guys are. Yes, it's five yards. Agree. Yes, it sucks. It probably it screws up your play calling. But you you never know when that timeout could be. If the, if you need the timeout, it's worth more than five yards, and you don't. It's way it. more. Yeah, it's way more value. Yeah. It's a cost benefit thing, and the cost is is not worth it. To, to call it's, that early yeah. and especially in the second half I would say yeah I would tell sure. my quarterback you are not calling a timeout to get to to avoid a delay game in the third quarter ever right and if you do I will treat you like Mike Ditka treated Emory Moorhead <laughs> and you're not going to want to see that um but, but coaches, they have not 
figure that out. Most NFL coach, no. coaches, at least baseball, they finally figured out the the sacrifice bunt to move the guy over from first to second is not worth that out. Yeah. Well, most but the NFL, have. there's still a few. Dusty's back. The yes. Astros are bunting. No, I don't know how much the Astros are bunting. I think even Dusty figured that out. We should have been a red flag for the rest of the league. Right. Dusty's finally like, that's a bad idea. Like, yeah, that's you're giving away an out. You only get 27 outts. Don't give them away. Oh, oh. how about that? But NFL teams just have not figured that out with the timeout yet. No. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk teams should have, and maybe the Bears do. I, I Actually, one of the things I was impressed with last week was on the last drive, the Lions' last drive, the one that, uh, no, the second-to-last drive, the one that ended with the interception. Not the one that ended with DeAndre Swift dropping the ball. Which which <laughs> catastrophic lion error are you talking about? I'm talking about the first one. Um, Nagy did a very un-Nagy thing, and he used his timeouts on the other side of the two-minute warning for once, realizing that, that that's time you can never get back, and having confidence that I don't need to save these for offense, because on offense, you to some degree, can control how much time you use, where on defense, you're at the mercy of the other team. And it's, it's, it's hurt him before, and every Bear coach ever before him, where they clearly didn't know how to use timeouts. And one of the things I was really worried about, and it, it reared its head the first two years, is that for all of the things Andy Reid is good at, he's the worst at clock <laughs> management. The absolute yeah. worst. And that's who Nagy learned from. Um, you know, I learned it by watching you, Dad, that kind of thing. Um, right. So maybe he either learned it or they just assigned that to somebody else, which is what you should do. The head coach has enough crap. Um, it should be the head coach's decision to call the timeout or not, but somebody should get on the horn and basically advise him and go, you know, we could save X amount of seconds if we call him now instead of waiting. Right. And maybe they're finally doing that. But they did it right last week. This week they didn't need it, and um, uh, I'm sure they'll need it many times. They'll be behind <laughs> a lot. He'll have plenty of time to practice his timeout his timeout usage. Yeah. Well, we can look forward to that. All week. right, so we should wrap this up. But um so, so I, it sounds to me like you are you're leaning Falcons next week. I am leaning Falcons. Um I really want to pick the Bears. Um but I think it's dumb. So I'm going to also pick the Falcons. Um and given the uh the ability of the Falcons to score, I don't even know what the over under is. I'm just going to take the over. Um, feeling that the Falcons will do the heavy lifting um, towards the over. And anything the yeah. Bears contribute is gravy. I'll, I'll buy that. I'll go with that, too. All right. I think, uh, I'll take the over. Falcons and the over. All right. Two and one, still pretty good. Pretty good. We'll take it. Better than what I think we thought. Yeah. Well, the first two, I actually know it's exactly what you thought. <laughs> but, we'll, but two and one, take two and one. We'll, we're two and one. We'll take it. I thought, I, I thought they were going to lose the Lions. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't. But well, I they, they, were gonna. they certainly did their all. Yes, well, I enjoyed it very much. I, they just fell short. I yeah. don't mind being wrong. Just like if Mitch turns out to be serviceable, and people want to drag me on Twitter, I won't care. Because I don't criticize him because I don't like him or because I don't want him to be good. I criticize him because I just don't think he's good. And if he changes that, then I'm I will waffle like the best of them, and I will I'll start driving the uh, the Mitch drive the Mitch bus the Mitch um, bandwagon. Yeah, I'll be I will be driving it, and I'll 
even I'll rotate the tires before I drive it. <laughs> hey, that's what we all want. Yeah. We all want to be on the Mitch bandwagon. All right. Well, it sounds good. So then uh, we will do this again next week. Yes. Um, all right. We'll talk next week. All right. Many of us have herpes. 